0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 888 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Saturday evening into Sunday morning, and thank you as always for joining us on the podcast, a special edition, I suppose, because it's it's the weekend. The network is pretty much Monday through Friday focused, but when the Hawks have a game on Saturday night, I'm not going to make you wait until Monday, hopefully, at least on a regular basis, to uh, listen to the podcast. So here we are talking about the game. It will be only about the game and probably a little bit shorter this evening because it's sort of an extra podcast, but thank you for joining me as always, and please subscribe to the show. Before we dive into what became actually a Hawks comeback victory in the preseason, there was a story from over the weekend about Rajon Rondo that made the news. That I will start off with quickly here at the top. TMZ reported that there would be that there was actually been a lawsuit filed. By a woman claiming that she had video of rondo shouting and cursing at her she also claimed that rondo pushed and shoved her and that rondo's girlfriend struck her to the point where she has uh, been claiming permanent disability with the suit also claiming assault and battery emotional distress and conspiracy with a woman seeking financial damages Um, rondo's lawyer released a statement pretty soon after the news broke on tmz i'm going to read that statement to you now and i quote the case is meritless. I've seen the videotape. Mr. Rondo was polite throughout the throughout the encounter. The claimant was not wearing a mask. It was unstable and rude. We look forward to defending the case and winning. End quote. So nothing beyond that from the Hawks. No statement of any kind from the team. I will point out that he was not arrested, nor is there a police report or anything like that. So the team's not necessarily likely to step in and say anything or do anything unless there's something more that happens on on this um, on this thing. But there you go on that. Want to bring it up at the top of the podcast. He, he was actually not at the game on Saturday that was not related to that, which we'll talk about in a second, but that was a, a story that was out there. I wanted to at least acknowledge it, and there you have it for now. Um, as for the game itself, there was some injury stuff that was discussed beforehand. I was not on the call, actually, on Friday, but Kevin of hawks.com passed along that Lloyd Pierce indicated that, that a Kong Wu was still unable to participate in some of the parts of practice, though he did participate fully in um, a practice on Friday that was a little bit lighter. The Hawks then announced on Friday night that Kongwu, quote, has continued his rehabilitation and participation in modified team practice with contact progressing towards unlimited team practice, end quote. With that said, the Hawks are now setting a December 28th date for reevaluation for for Kongwu, which is the same date as Chris Dunn, and in, uh, both those guys are going to be ruled out, as, uh, I would say, effectively for the first two games of the season. It's worth noting the Hawks did not announce that they were definitely out. But if you do the math, a reevaluation on that day usually means they're not coming back before that, so uh, that's actually the date of the home opener, so that misses the first two games for both Kongwu and Dunn if you do the math on that. So there you go um, in terms of the updates. There, also the original injury report for tonight's game had Capella and Reddish on it as probable. They were upgraded to uh, available, though. Um, Rondo was out with what the Hawks referred to as personal reasons, but I was told it was not related to the TMZ story and it was a personal family matters. was was what I was told. Also, it was reported by Sarah, Sarah Spencer of AJC and Chris Kirchner of The Athletic that it was uh, for attendance at a funeral. So there you go on that. Um, again, not related to the TMZ story. Rondo was not available for tonight's game. Um, also, the Hawks went with the, both of the second-year wings starting in this game. That's Reddish and Hunter um, with everybody else available. Pierce said pregame that there were no minutes restrictions across the board. A lot of guys played real minutes in this final preseason game. Um, he did say that he was using he was going to use the regular rotation coming into the game for the first half, and then we'll see what happens late, late in the game. Obviously, Atlanta didn't press all the way to the end. We'll talk about that later on. But they they played guys a pretty reasonable rotation-level minutes until the last, you know, seven or eight minutes of this game. Um, Also, this is the third different lineup in in the four games, in terms of starting lineups. I am someone who is not a starting lineup uh, huge warrior, but at the same time, that has been out there. They've changed that up a little bit, and they're keeping everybody on their toes with regard to that. Um, also, Pierce explained everything forward, but he's talking about the fact that um, sort of using the zone defense on Thursday was an example of doing something they were not necessarily going to be doing a regular season unless uh, unless the matchup dictated, but they wanted to put it on film against Memphis. All that little stuff. Um, looking ahead to the the rest of the regular season, I stress at the top here: preseason is preseason. Uh, and yes, there were some ugly moments in this game. I think the general takeaway was fairly negative, quite honestly. I mean, the Hawks won this game, um, but. Don't overreact. It's preseason, and this team is going to be tinkering on purpose. They were not necessarily playing to win all the way through here. They're they're, they're going to be trying some tactics, etc. In the preseason. Now, with that said, Wednesday the lights come on in a big way, and we will talk about that momentarily. But um, that's sort of setting set stage for what's going to be transpiring in this game tonight. And the Hawks were uh, relatively healthy in terms of their, of their available guys. Only uh, you know, Dunn, Kong Wu, uh, Snell, and Rondo out. So basically. All of their top seven or eight guys were available in this game, but at the same time, um, you know, not a full collection of talent. Okay, before we get into the game itself and some takeaways, some game flow stuff and player evaluations, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. All right, so we'll dive in here to the game and how it transpired. Again, the Hawks to come back to win by a final score of 117-116. to 116. That's pretty misleading in some ways for how the team played, which is kind of ironic considering the other results. I thought I was a little bit more, a little bit more positive than the results were, but this game, the Hawks played worse than the final result actually indicated. Um, in the early going, it was pretty ugly. The Hawks, uh, especially in the first quarter, were really quite bad, quite honestly. They came out with Reddish on Morant, which is I think was part of the reason why they started Reddish in this game was to throw him on John Morant. That was somewhat effective at times. They played um, Trey Young and Grayson Allen. We'll come back to that in a second. And then Hunter played on Brooks. But it was a 17-6 start for Memphis. The Hawks had three turnovers in the early going, including two by Trey Young. They were sluggish across the board. I thought Young was particularly bad out of the gate, quite honestly. He was not alone, but he was uh, sort of a a guy who stood out to me as uh, pretty shaky out of the gate there. There was a nice drive and drop-off pass by Hunter to find Capella for a dunk. But other than that, there was not too much going on positively for the Hawks in the early going. They went to the bench pretty quickly brought in Bogdanovich for Reddish, and then and then Gallo came in for Capella shortly after that. And then Gallinari played well in this game. He had a out three on the first possession of the game, and he saw um, Then they actually brought in Herter um, to go really, really offense-heavy after the offense was so bad early, early on. They went to the lineup of basically all offense with, you know, Trey and Herter and Bogdanovich, um, Collins and Capella, sorry, Collins and Gallinari. So all offense lineup, it kind of stabilized a little bit, but still it was not... Great, the shots were not falling either, and honestly, it stretched out to 29-11 to 11 in favor of the Grizzlies. The Hawks opened 4 of 17 from the floor and 1 of 9 from 3. There was some foul trouble as well. Collins got a second foul, which brought in Bruno Fernando as the 10th man in this game. And I thought, broadly speaking, in the first quarter, they kind of got caught in between what they were doing last year so well on offense, with, with Trey Young running, running the pick-and-roll quite a bit, and where they kind of want to get to this year with a lot more egalitarian offense, trying to get everybody involved. And the results were pretty ugly. Um, I would say overall in that quarter. They were kind of stuck in the middle. Pierce talked about that as well. Not a whole lot of comfort there. There were some nice plays along the way, but they're not necessarily in a groove. And they're not less, and they're not really letting letting Trey Young be Trey Young either at the outset. So they'll find the middle ground, but they're gonna have to hurry a little bit on that now as the season begins on Wednesday. But still, the first quarter, the Hawks shot 724 from the floor and one from three. They scored 0.65 points per possession on the way to 17 points. And honestly, it felt that bad, too. It wasn't like that was a fluke. They just did not play well at all in the first, and they were down by 12 after being down by as many as 18, but still pretty ugly there. Um, The second quarter actually was better. They outscored the Grizzlies 34-32 in the period. They stayed with the full second unit to open open the quarter, but then the Grizzlies had this uh, 6-0 run to go up by 18 again, and they brought in Young and Reddish. Uh, I thought Young was better the second stint. The Hawks had a uh, a 10 to 2 run to cut it back to, t- to single digits in that way. They 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 went back to Bruno Fernando. They by the way, repeatedly in this game until late, went no point guard with Trey Young off the floor. Um Bruno uh sorry, Brandon Goodman came in late in this game, but for the most part, when the game was still the rotations that both teams were trying to use, it was still that Herder slash Mogdanovich slash reddish initiation. So keep that in mind for when Rondo's not available, especially right now without Chris Dunn as well. Um the Hawks went back to um, Bogdanovich and Gallinari with about five minutes to go in the first half. Um, they, they actually played the final 2-14 of the first half with Gallinari at center without Collins. So very, very small and very, very offense heavy. Um, Gallinari hit a late three, but Grayson now hit one to go back up by 10. The Hawks were better on both ends of the floor in the second quarter. They actually allowed the 11 threes in the first half. That's not going to get it done. Um, other than Gallinari, who didn't who had, it, who had it going a little bit, they didn't have much going on offensively. I will point out that Trey Young, Young had four steals, in the first half, which is a lot, a couple of those were just kind of thrown to him, but he has a nice passing land anticipation as well. He was pretty active defensively by his standards anyway. The Hawks did shoot better in the second quarter, 53% from the floor, four of eight from three, and they got to the line 16 times in the second quarter, which is very very nice. So offensively, that was the high mar- the high water mark in this game for me at least in the competitive portion of it. The third quarter though was pretty weird. The Hawks played reasonably well coming out of the gate in the third. Then then there was a skirmish between Troy Young and Grayson Allen. Um, by the way, that dates back to 2018 summer league when those guys did not seem to like each other very much, and there was a skirmish at, at that point as well. I'm not sure if there's like bad blood, but um, basically, um, Allen seemed to hook Trey Young, and then Trey responded with some, you know, I would say some reasonable aggression. He shoved him in the back a little bit, and then there were uh, tippers flaring, etc. The Grizzlies broadcast did not seem to understand why, but you know, there was a pretty clear hook there from Grayson Allen. Plus. Grayson Allen is not beloved in NBA circles. This is a guy who's sort of an antagonist. So I was not surprised at all to see those two guys. You know, Trey is very competitive, very fiery. Those two guys do not necessarily mix. I don't think. So uh, no huge surprise there. Nothing out of the ordinary. Crazily, you know, young out of tea. And actually, they, they assessed double technical fouls to Lloyd Pierce and Taylor Jenkins. But from there, the Grizzlies went on a run immediately. Um, Trey got his fourth foul about you know thirty seconds later, and then he came out of the game. Um, shortly after, but then Collins got his fourth foul as well, and Memphis was in the bonus with eight minutes to go in the third quarter, which is always a bad, bad time. Also it's pretty unwatchable in a lot of ways because of all the fouls. It took about a half hour of real time to play six minutes of clock time, which is very, very bad, especially especially when it's not the fourth quarter. Um that's just kind of a real slow grind. This is a very, very long, drawn out basketball game, which is not what you want in the preseason. At any rate, it was an eighteen to five run by Memphis immediately after the Grayson Allen dust up, and then the Hawks are down by nineteen points in a hurry. By the way, Memphis opened this game by shooting 16 of their first 30 from three. Mm. Now they finished the night 19 of 48, so they went three of their last 18, which is obviously much better for the Hawks. But 16 of 30 will get you beat any time. I mean, and longtime Hawks fans will definitely remember some of those nights from my, the Mike Budenholzer years when the Hawks played really, really good defense on the whole. But there were nights where they just, they just got their uh, sort of got got barraged by threes. That was kind of the feeling in this game a lot of the way. We'll come back to that later on. But that was a uh, Sort of deja vu in some ways there. But a 10-0 run, though, by the Hawks late in the quarter to cut it back to 9. They got down to 7 at one point, and they were more competitive from that point forward. But that, that run, is was basically a tale of two runs. The first quarter, the Hawks got down by 18. They fought all the way back, and then another 18-5 to run there in the third by the Grizzlies. In the fourth, it was more competitive. Um, <laughs> A nice uh, finish through contact that I made note of by Cam Reddish that was good and encouraging to see. Trey Young fouled out with 8.44 to go in this game. Number one, he doesn't really foul out a lot. Um, And also, that's a really early time to do that, especially if you're a point guard. He played 22 minutes in this game and fouled out. Kind of a weird night on on that respect. Collins had five fouls as well. But that was uh, sort of a signal in some ways that that was a weird part of the game. Then they actually brought in Goodwin for the first time at that point. He played the rest of the way and was uh, pretty effective, quite honestly. But uh, sort of on cue, kind of hilariously, the Hawks went on a 16-0 run. Pretty much right after Trey Young fouled out. So, they, cut, they, they, they slashed the lead all the way from 16 down to 0. They tied the game at 105-105 after back-to-back-to-back threes by Collins, Herter, and Solomon Hill. A lot of that run came with Goodwin, Bruno, and Solomon Hill on the floor, but it was also, I would say, important to point out the Hawks made this huge push late and won this game against Memphis's basically their third unit. I mean, there were a couple guys who are NBA-caliber players there, but the Grizzlies were playing a lot of like G-league-caliber guys. The Hawks don't only really have a lot of those guys right now, But, like, there were a bunch of names on the court that the Hawks, you know, you wouldn't even recognize. You know, Benny Boatwright was out there for a while. Um, (laughs) Shaq Buchanan was on the court for a while. Um, Ahmad Kaver. Like, there were guys who are not NBA players on the court for Memphis. So, the comeback win happened. It's good. The Hawks put together some fight there. I will just stress that this is not a competitive environment in a lot of ways. You know, late, late, late in the game, the Hawks were playing their guys, too. It was uh, Skyler Mays and Nathan Knight for the last three minutes of the game. You had Brandt, you had Goodwin, you had Fernando. So it wasn't like they were like starters versus third string, but even the run that happened before that was against Memphis's second or third unit. So just putting that caveat out there on the table, just for some clarity. At any rate, the Hawks played hard and played well in that stretch. The Grizzlies didn't score for four minutes, which definitely helped. They closed the game with Goodwin Mays Hill. Nathan Knight and Fernando on the court. Um, Goodwin was great down the stretch. He made a lot of different plays. He had a floater to give them the first lead, by the way. The Hawks took, the, took their first lead of the entire game with 2 0 remaining in the fourth quarter. Goodwin, Goodwin then made, made some free throws to go up by four. It kind of went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth from there. Um, with neither, neither team able to really uh, carve out a whole lot of offense in the final seconds, but the Hawks held on for that one-point win, and there you go on that. Um, I will say, sort of... <laughs> The stats overall don't look terrible for Atlanta in this game. They shot 42% from the floor, 30% from three. That's not great, but they got to the line 43 times and shot 84%. That'll work at any point. The Hawks scored uh, 1.07 points per possession, which is below where they want to be, but not disastrous by any stretch. Uh 18 turnovers was too many. Um, not like completely egregious, but definitely more than you would want. Defensively, they held the Grizzlies to 1.06 points per, per, per possession. But again, some some caveats in there as well. I think when the uh stars were playing, the Grizzlies were much, much better. So for instance, everyone who started for the Grizzlies was plus nine or better in this game. Everyone who everyone other than John Collins, who started for the for the Hawks, was minus seven, minus fourteen, minus twelve, minus eighteen. So Starters on starters, it was all Memphis in this game, and that's uh, important to what we say out loud. Still, though, the Hawks did play well um, at times. They fought. Lloyd Pierce talked about this after the game. He lauded the team for fighting all that long. He did reference a couple of times, like sort of his uh, perfect explanation of what transpired in this game was that he referenced a play that ended a turnover, which is a couple of extra passes. He said that all the plays were the right ones, but not just not, they're just not quite cohesive just yet. And that's definitely the case, I think, offensively especially. The Hawks are just not quite there yet. And I know they don't have any more time, but um, it's very, very evident that they have talent. They just have to figure out what to do with it at this point in time. Pierce talked about um, lots of extra home run plays that were not needed in the first half and some turnovers that sort of spurred Memphis. He did say that you know transition defense was a problem at times. I would definitely agree with that. The lack of discipline there, some fouls on at some, at some bad times. But he did he he, I would say he praised consistently the effort and the physicality of the Hawks. They did play hard in this game. There were a couple of lulls, I thought, but especially, you know, late. And even then, once the first like barrage in the first quarter happened, they did play hard in this game. It was not great execution-wise, it was not exactly, it's not exactly pretty basketball to monitor. But I thought I thought defensively, they did a better job taking away the rim. Now, Pierce has been talking about the no-paint mentality the entire offseason and really into training camp, etc. They accomplished that in this game. Uh, I will say that off the top, they did a good job walling off the paint, uh, stopping Morant, who was not like incredible in this game. They they did a pretty good job with a couple different things, but they definitely gave up too many threes. Uh, Memphis attempted 48 threes which is just way too many. It's way more than you would want to, especially when a lot of them were open threes. That's going to be a problem. Obviously, it's hard to take away everything, but the Hawks, in focusing on the paint, allow way too many threes. Pierce acknowledged that as well. They have to close out more disciplined um, and just more physical. I would say more aggressively in some ways. But they did execute near the rim. I wanted to point that out as well. So there you go. Um, overall, I would say this is not a great performance for Atlanta. <laughs> I know they won this game, so it's uh, if you tr- if you just didn't watch this game, saw the final score, you might think, all right, the Hawks played well. They they finally beat Memphis. They've been getting killed by them. I will point out the Hawks were now at double digits in this game when it was still competitive against the actual Grizzlies. So pros and cons. They came back um, as a pro, obviously. Con, they didn't play great in this game whatsoever. Um, okay, we'll go to the individual players now before we get out of here on this fine Saturday. Uh, a lot to get to. There were not too many guys that played well. I will highlight the guys who played well first. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll send those guys for, for the end. That's probably the best way to do this. Um, so DeAndre Hunter crashed back to earth. He has been really, really good the first three games. Arguably the Hawks' best player in the first, in the first three games of the preseason. Um, but Hunter, Hunter did not have it in this game. 7 from the floor, 5 from three. Four points four rebounds and an assist for DeAndre. Uh, he just wasn't fantastic. He just didn't have it, which is okay. I mean, he, was, he showed enough in the first three games to, to not be panicked about that. But he wasn't great. Clint Capella had a couple of nice moments. Uh, 4.7 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. He's definitely not comfortable, though. I think he's not moving particularly well by his standards. He's not like terribly slow for a center, but he, he needs to be fast. That's one of his claims to fame as a center is that he's pretty quick. Not necessarily the case right now. Offensively, though, he's not finding his gaps just yet. There's some sorting out that has to happen there, and that was always going to be the case, but Cabello has also hasn't played basketball in so long that he's just not quite there yet. He's still much better than what the Hawks had. Even at limited capacity, he's a lot better than what the Hawks had last year, but he's going to have to figure some stuff out on offense especially. Um, Trey Young struggled, I thought, pretty mightily in this game um, by his standards anyway. I think the whole preseason actually has been pretty bad for him. Obviously, that still includes like a lot of impact in a positive way because he is so good. And I'm not worried about Trey Young at all. I tweeted this during the game, but he's lost his floater right now, which is not a concern because he's so good at it. He's, you know, maybe the I would say top five guy in the league in floaters. So I'm not concerned. But that's been one of the problems. He hasn't had that hasn't had that shot in his bag. He was 0-5 from three as well. Just not playing particularly uh, aggressively on offense. And when he is, a couple of a couple more turnovers than you would like. Defensively, he got he had the four steals. He was definitely more active on that end of the floor, but only two assists, etc. I don't worry at all about Trey Young. But there you go on that. Um, Who else struggled in this game? Uh, Bruno Fernando was played better late. His first stint was not good. His second stint uh, and, the, and at the end of the game were much better. Wadonovic um, was not a good shooter in this game. Three, 3 point from the floor. He's had some struggles coming out of the gate in terms of efficiency offensively. He had seven assists though to lead the team on this night to had 10 points. Um uh, Pierce actually asked about Bogdanovich in the postgame. He said he wants him to be wants him to be decisive and aggressive. Um when he was asked about when he was how he's fitting in. I, I could definitely see that as well. You want to see him just kind of just take it more often. But right now, it's he's just fitting in. It's not a not a big deal there with regard to Bogdanovich. You know, overall the guys who played really well were not really uh, you know, overwhelmingly the that list was not overwhelmingly long. I thought Collins played okay. rebounds. He's not meant his normal self either. Uh, He was efficient in this game, which is nice to see. But I don't think he was fantastic by his standards. He's fitting in as well, which is kind of strange for an incumbent guy. But he's playing with a whole new cast of characters, um, especially with Capella. So he's still finding his footing, for sure. Finding out what he needs to be doing. And uh, had five fouls in this game as well. And then uh, the guys who did play well, I thought Reddish was good, for the most part. 18 points for Cam also had a steal. A couple of nice finishes. Got to the line nine times. That's so definitely what you want to see out of him. A couple of maddening moments for Reddish. It was kind of a, there was probably two or three plays in this game where it was looked like early rookie season Reddish. Where he was making a lot of really bad mistakes, but they don't erase everything. I thought he played well overall. Just a couple of blips that were not good, but I think it was a general plus for Cam. Gallinari, 19 points on 8 shots, got to the line 9 times, made all 9, that's a per, it's a pretty much a perfect Gallinari kind of line, plus 8 in 26 minutes, that's what you want out of him, he's instant offense, he's really good, gets to the line, veteran guy, etc., stabilizing force, defensively he was, he was actually okay in this game, I thought he played well, I thought Solomon Hill was good, off the bench, 5 points, 6 rebounds, 19 minutes. I think he might play more than I was expecting him to play. Um, part of that is that they have, they've been sort of shorthanded, like the economy minutes or not had not been there. Bruno's not been playing a lot, so they have kind of been going to Solomon Hill as like the, as like that tenth man kind of guy, ninth tenth man. That that sort of that certainly fits him, and he's a guy who you know what you're going to get from. So I think Pierce will probably lean on that a little bit in the early going. I thought he thought he played well. In this game, Goodwin played well when he came in. Six points, three assists, and two rebounds. Again, didn't play until the last nine minutes, so it was not necessarily a great sample size to evaluate him on, but he played well, made a lot of stuff happen, and was probably the biggest reason late that the Hawks actually won this game. And then Kevin Herter played well, I thought, in this game as well. Sixteen points, three rebounds, and assist. Uh Kevin's had... Uh, uh, I can't remember now if it was the last game or the one before that. He had one he had one very bad game, but I think generally in the preseason, he was pretty good. I think both Hunter and Herter had their, had their one bad game tonight was tonight was Hunter. But Herter was great, I thought, in this game by his standards. Plus eight, uh 23 minutes, 23 minutes, four, six, and 3. He was hunting his own shot. He played pretty good defense, a couple nice passes. I thought he played well in this contest. So, you know, Nathan Knight, Skylar Mace, pretty much DNP's until the end. So I don't I don't have huge takes there. But um that covers everybody. I just I don't want to be too negative or too positive. You know, the Hawks won this game. Nice to see them come back. I thought they did not play well in this game. So there were some concerns. I'll I'll sort of wrap this up. I do have more plans to do a couple podcasts. There'll be at least two, maybe even three between now and the opener on Wednesday. So I'll express this stuff again, but here sort of as the wrap up of the preseason podcast. There were some overreactions. I thought, um, on all sides. I thought at times it was, uh, too eager early on, on the first two games against Orlando when I was in the building. Um, the last couple, the last couple games, I think, especially early tonight and maybe late in the last game, um, there were some negative reactions. I think it's not wrong to be concerned a little bit about the early season performance for the Hawks, if only because this is something I said before. Um, when, when the schedule came out, the Hawks need to win early in this game. Sorry, early in the season, and that's tough for a team that's putting together a lot of new pieces that's still sort of visibly rusty. Asking them to win out of the gate is tough. But the schedule is as such where the first 9 games of the season are all against teams that were losing records last season. Now two of those are against Brooklyn and they're loaded, but the other seven teams are teams that the Hawks have more talent than that the Hawks play in the first 9 games. Seven of those nine seven of those nine games the Hawks are the more talented team. So what that means is yes it's a little bit more favorable early on but from there it gets more difficult if they don't win early on if they're not ready to go and get some wins out of the gate that might spill some trouble for what they want to do this year. At the same time, you don't want to have too much pressure coming out early on if you're this Hawks team that's still getting, still finding its footing. So, double-edged sword there, but we'll see what happens. I'm not panicking too much. It's important to note this is the preseason. The Hawks were doing things that they would not normally be doing a lot of times. We've not seen Dunn. We've not seen a Konglu. We've not seen much of Rondo whatsoever. Um, there's lots of questions still. I'll be the first one to tell you that, even as someone who's watched all these games twice. But... Uh, keep it level at this point in time is what I will say. If they're playing this way, if they're playing the way they, that they played the first two and a half, three quarters in this game, uh, three weeks from now, it's panic time. Because if they're playing that way uh, consistently until then, they're going to miss the playoffs. That's how bad they have been at times in the first three game, the first four games of the preseason. But, I don't expect that to happen. So, hold on hold on tight is what i will say but uh try to be try to be level try to be even keel i'm i'm planning on doing a sort of a preseason takeaways podcast at some point between now and wednesday we'll sort of go broad and then maybe dive into a couple of tactical things etc but my overall mandate would be just not to overreact to the preseason and uh, a lot of moving parts. I've been someone who said this for quite some time now, the last few weeks to like, look, be patient. They're going to have some stuff to work on. A coaching staff's going to have to figure out what to do with all these pieces. I think the depth is a good thing, but they have all these new guys and the guys who are returning are all so young that it's uh, a lot of figuring stuff out. So hold on tight. I know everyone's facing the same thing. And uh, there you go on that. We'll get out of here now on this fine Saturday, but please subscribe to the podcast. Hopefully you guys appreciated this extra ish podcast over the weekend. Like I said, at the top of the podcast, I usually try to avoid weekend podcasts because the network does not love them at the same time. It's a Saturday night game and we'll try to get the podcast up for you as fast as possible. So I'm not going to make you wait until Monday unless I just can't record for some reason, which does happen on occasion, but be patient. Hopefully I will, I will communicate with you. Please follow the podcast on Twitter. at lot Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Tell a friend or two or three about the podcast. Please, please, please subscribe. Leave five-star feedback and, uh, comments etc and we'll see you all I believe tomorrow night so into Monday we'll have we'll have a new, po- a new podcast by Monday at some point so stay tuned for all of that and we'll see you all then